Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to thank our supporting partners who make the podcast possible, and this month that's Canyon and Cushcore. Canyon recently launched a massively updated version of their Enduro race bike, the Strive. The new Strive has got 170mm up front and 160 out the back and some pretty radical geometry. The bike has got a long reach, but with a relatively short rear end to try and give you the best of both worlds when it comes to stability and manoeuvrability. The engineers took a no-compromise approach to the bike and using feedback from their riders like Jack Moore, Dim Tordo and Fabian Burrell, they produced something really special. If you've listened to last week's episode where me and two friends spent a couple of days with the Strive, you'll know that we loved it. The suspension is incredible, providing an insanely plush but supported feel, and it also stays super active under braking, meaning that this thing slows down like nothing else I've ever ridden. And believe me, you're going to need to slow down. This bike is fast. If you want to find out more, then you can head over to canyon.com now. Stock is limited, but if they don't have the colour or size that you want, then you can sign up to Stock Alert emails right there on the product page over at canyon.com. Gushcore is a product that I'd say not everyone understands. It's often talked about as just being a tyre insert that helps reduce the risk of punctures and rim damage. And okay, yeah, Gushcore does help protect your rims. But for me, that's just a side benefit from the performance gains that they provide. Gushcore brings added damp into the system, improving the performance of the bike, especially when it comes to maintaining speed through rough terrain and over square-edged hits. It genuinely makes the bike feel like it's got more or better suspension. If you're pushing hard, then you'll appreciate the added support they provide in the turns too. So it's no surprise that it's inside the bikes of a lot of the world's fastest enduro and downhill riders. Cushcore have a range of sizes from Pro to XC Plus and Gravel, and you can get them in 2.9, 275, or a mix set for your mullet. They've also designed some awesome accessories to make fitting Cushcore a breeze, like the Bead Dropper Tire Lever, which is definitely the best tire lever I've ever used, whether you're using Cushcore or not, and their brand new Bead Bro, which is a smart little tool that holds the bead in place as you fit the tire. Again, not just something that's going to benefit Cushcore users, as it really does feel like you've got a third hand helping you fit the tire. So if you want to go bigger, corner harder and ride faster with total confidence, then Kushcore.com is the place to head. Check them out and feel the benefits of everything that Kushcore has to offer. Also, Kushcore are supporting my annual listener survey and giving away a prize bundle consisting of a set of Kushcore in your choice of size, a set of valves and their awesome tools, the bead dropper and the bead bro to one lucky winner. All you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey and take a couple of minutes to fill it out. It's a massive help to me to keep improving the podcast and also when I'm working with brands, which is ultimately what keeps this thing coming to you for free each week. So if you've got a couple of minutes, please head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey and help me out for a chance to win some lovely Kushcore goodies. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at downtimepodcast. Right, I really enjoyed chatting with journalist and expert tester Guy Kesteven for the podcast last year, so I thought it would be great to have a catch-up. We sat down to chat about the bike industry and to get Guy's thoughts on some of the products he's been testing. Yes, we get in some tech details and we chat about some products, but this turned out to be a pretty different conversation to the one that I was expecting. What really comes across is just how awesome mountain biking is, how much better it's getting and the potential that it still has to grow. I left this conversation feeling really excited to be a part of the sport right now and really intrigued as to what's to come. I hope that you get something positive from this episode too. So without further ado, here's Guy Kesteven. Guy Kesteven, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things? 
Really good, thanks, Chris. And well, thanks very much for having me back. Yeah, it's a pleasure. The last episode with you was uh, was really popular, and I I really enjoyed it. And it was a year ago now, believe it or not. It's truth. Yeah. May last yeah, year. Yeah, no, that, I don't believe that actually. But was it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. I checked. It's funny. I'm a, I'm on that kind of age now where some things seem very, very far away, and others seem really, really <laughs> quite recent. And it doesn't seem there's any like connection between either yeah, of those things. I know that feeling. Yeah, fair play. So yeah, I thought I thought it'd be fun to get back together and kind of look at what's gone on in the last year, um, chat a bit about what you've been up to and some of the bikes and, and products you've been testing. But before we do that, maybe let's. Um, kind of check in on the state of the industry right now because last time we sat down we were in this crazy like covid driven bike boom everything was either in short supply or non-existent supply um things have changed a bit i guess but like are you what have you seen in the industry where do you think we're at at the minute you can get bikes and bits now Uh which which is a big difference to where we were last year but they might not necessarily be the bikes and bits you want or need. <laughs> and they're almost certainly not what the brands were wanting to have got to us by this point. Yeah. And they're also far more expensive. Yes. And I think currently the consumer's being sheltered from a lot of that spend. From people I've spoken to, it's like they're passing on ten you know, they're passing like ten to thirty percent of the actual cost increase. Yeah. And what's interesting was like, oh, it's a bike boom. You know, we've, you know, they must have made mega money and they have, but profit margins have been absolutely hammered. Yeah. So I know there are some, you know, I was, I was talking to one brand last week and they were like, oh yeah, we've, we finally got a container of bike suit. And then when we look at the numbers, we've just broken even wow. on that container, but obviously they still have to do it so that hopefully next year it's a bit better and they've still got a brand. Yeah. You know, they've yeah. still, the brand is still coming into the UK or, you know, even the really big brands, who have, you know, having record sales, their profits are nowhere near record. There's a few people doing well out of it. There's Mm. a few accessory side people who are doing quite well out of it. And it's also had a massive shift, not necessarily in how people are doing it yet, but I think of how people are thinking of doing it in the future. Yeah. Because you have got brands that are sourcing stuff more locally, like Hope and people like that, who are just like, well, hang on a minute, you know, we're, we're comparatively in Clover. Yeah. You know, because we literally do all this within arm's reach and people are looking at that going, ah, yeah, maybe, maybe we relied a bit too much in shipping everything in from the far side of the world. Yeah. And I think, but that's the same. I think in many ways, the bike industry is reflecting what we pretty much every industry is going through. For sure. You know, if people want a van, it's the same. If people, you know, want food, it's the same. You know, everything is getting a lot more expensive and... So although we, we can actually go out without a face mask on now, there's still quite a lot of, there's a lot of weirdness going on. There's a big shift happening at the moment. Yeah. And people are kind of dealing with it in different levels. Some people are just still going for the short-term gain, and, but others you can tell are really maybe thinking about shifting their strategies. And I think that's where the interesting things are going to happen. Yeah. Whether it's their selling strategy, their marketing strategy, their production strategy. I think we're going to see a lot of that changing okay. across the industry. In what sort of ways? Well, like I say, I think more people like building bikes in Europe okay. rather than the Far East. or And also people, I think, more investing more in stuff that they can actually action. Yeah, okay. Like advocacy, like 
eco things like mm-hmm. that. I know Trek have been applauded for. I mean, basically, I mean, they didn't go into. I mean, it's very, very thorough, but they didn't. You know, they've just said, "Well, this is what we're doing." Yeah, yeah. From the sustainability, yeah, from the sustainability yeah. point of view, and I think the UK is quite a long way behind. If you look at a market like Germany, that's massively important. Like you speak to someone like Endura about their clothing, like they they had to go like uh, low carbon or zero carbon CFC uh, on their coatings and their fabrics for Germany. Okay. And like the English, are like, all oh, right, okay, but it's warmer and it's not raining as much. It's actually quite nice. Can can we have you know? Can we have some <laughs> CFCs in ours? It's like, and but in you know, Germany's a much bigger market, and I think we're a little bit behind that here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's going to be a big driver as well. And it'd be interesting to see how that affects uh, frame manufacture and things like that. You know, where you've got brands. Uh, oh crikey, I've forgotten. Uh, the American brand who make a uh, Gorilla Gravity. That's oh, yeah. It. Sorry, yeah, you have yeah. to cut that bit out, Chris. It's, <laughs> it's not often you get a quiet bit when I'm talking, but yeah. But the way they're producing stuff, uh-huh. you know, and again, I was at Carbon Wasp in Leeds, who were just a tiny little manufacturer. You know, they've just started rolling out their full suspension bike. Yeah. And they were like, and I said, you know, how local is your stuff? And they kind of looked a bit sheepish. I was like, oh, right, okay. And they were like, well, the pre-preg comes from Birmingham and I was like well I think I think we can let you get away with that you know they're not you know obviously the raw materials are still coming in from Toriyaka and Mitsubishi in Japan uh-huh. but they're getting blended now in the UK yeah and I think we're seeing you know Syat Kotick's half you know some of his frames half the front ends being built up in Scotland now. yeah yeah and I think because those shipping costs and everything are going up massively suddenly there's less of a differential yeah I mean, it certainly doesn't mean anything's becoming cheaper. I mean, just the Far Eastern stuff's becoming more expensive. Yeah. So, and I guess, you know, when you talk to Trek and people like that, they're more in Santa Cruz, they're more into the advocacy side of things and, you know, specialised as supporting stuff like that. And there's just loads. I think COVID just threw everything up in the air and let people really experiment with stuff. Yeah. Because they weren't just doing the same old, same old thing. They had to do things differently. So they've had a chance to experiment. Mm -hmm. If you've not got, any bikes to sell and you're a marketing department, you have to do something. But, and also, you know, there wasn't racing going on. So all the traditional routes kind of got shut down. So people have gone, oh, I wonder what happens if we like get behind this local group or we put some money into this trail building. And generally they've seen really, really positive returns on that. Okay. Rather than necessarily going, oh, we'll just, well, we'll just, who's, who's doing well in the top 10 in the EWS or downhill, right? We'll sponsor some of those guys. It's now like, oh, they're, they're pretty good at racing, but their social's brilliant. Yeah. And they're really engaging with a lot of people on there. And again, and they're, they're looking at different media. They've just had a chance to, you know, and some of them, they're just going, well, if you spend four quid on Facebook, we sell 1,200 quid's worth of bikes. We can see that on a graph. And that's where they've gone. Others, they've been more creative, perhaps, or at least exploring things. But I think, I mean, for, for everyone, I think COVID's thrown a whole lot of stuff in the air. Yeah, and I still time. think a lot of us are still looking up in the sky. Yeah. working out what's happened. Do you, do you think things will trend back towards pre-COVID norms? Because you, I mean, you see that in society a lot already. A lot of stuff has sort of started, you know, people are working less from home, they're back in the offices. A lot of the behaviours that we created, that some of which were probably quite positive, have started to drift back. Do you think the bike industry will take the lessons and, and implement some of these things longer term? Do you think they have to, I guess, maybe certainly with freight costs and being so high, but... I think that's the depressing thing, isn't it? With society and humans in general, we'll generally trend back to where we were. Yeah. 
you know, if you look at, but a few people, you just need a few more percent doing something different. And they're the ones that develop everything, aren't they? It's the survival of the freakiest things. It's mm. the people who keep doing those other things. So again, yeah, people will still go back and do the same. Or people will still go on holiday. You know, well, I haven't been on holiday for ages. I want to go on holiday. You know, nobody's driving cars less. They're complaining about how much it costs to fill them. Yeah. But most people are like, you know, I may, you know, I'm riding to Stainburn more rather than driving there. Or if I drive there, I'll take two bikes. And there are changes like that, which are very positive. Mm-hmm. But as a species, we generally have to be forced to do. I mean, no, that's, that's a bit grim. Or is it? Mm. I think, no, it will trend back Yeah, in a lot of ways. But also, there'll be a top note of things that have changed. Yeah. And, it's, and again, it's whether people actually engage with that and support it. Yeah. Because there's only, I mean, people can do things for altruistic reasons, but at the end of the day, you can't be entirely that, you know. There's no, there are very few people who are entirely charitable. Yeah, true. But, you know, it's a business. Yeah. And it does, the the whole COVID thing does seem to have given smaller brands with more streamlined supply chains and more localized behavior a bit of a leg up because when the big brands that were, you know, controlling a lot of stuff and had all the volume suddenly didn't have things people were looking elsewhere and like well who has still got product yeah. and like you say some of these smaller companies that that have a better control of their supply chain because it's not coming from the other side of the planet were able to like jump into those gaps and i hope that they've gained some ground and they're able to you know continue that level within the industry because it's cool to see some of these smaller brands coming through right oh absolutely and the nice thing about kind of the social media sphere and the marketing sphere now is you kind of have no idea how big the brand is behind it. But I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember Ardrock last year, I think Cy had the, I think Cy realising he he had some jets there and they were the only bikes he could actually have bought <laughs> in the world at that point. Of all the people demoing there, you could actually go, oh, I like that, can I have it? Yeah. And they go, yes. You know, it'd be great if you could use your wheels that you already have, because we haven't got many wheels, but yes, you can have a bike. Yeah. And I think hopefully, I really hope people are going to appreciate that and, you know, and keep, you know, yeah, just kind of, I hope people appreciate fresh air more. I hope people appreciate getting out more in the mm. countryside more and and just, I hope a few more people carry on biking. You know, I mean, I think they should. I think we are going to see, you know, we've seen a massive spike and we've seen it return. I think there's going to be a sine wave for a while, but hopefully it settles out to a more environmentally impact aware more well you know the be nice kind of culture i think yeah. you know people have really appreciated hopefully that we are a bit more mortal and that the planet does need a bit more care yeah and some of that will hang on yeah i hope so it does seem to have calmed down a bit in the countryside though like it felt really busy Oh, it was, for a little while. It was it was horrific, wasn't it? When Every, nobody could go to the pub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone. People treated the outside like a pub, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. And, I mean, it, in some ways it was fabulous. I mean, we've all got far more places to ride. Mm-hmm. But in some of those places that's caused conflict. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so again, there's again, there's always seems to be this kind of yin and yang about it. Yes, there's way more places to ride. There's way more places places people riding now as well. And mm. I think it's been a massive help. I think a lot, of, one thing I would say, I think a lot of people have realised how important riding is to them. Yeah. I think a lot of people 
got through COVID, got through isolation or loss or grief or whatever worries about work and just this whole weirdness, just fear, they realised that mountain biking was really, really important to them. Mm -hmm. And that's as relevant to people who'd been riding every day, but just kind of out of habit and maybe just kind of losing the love of it a bit. As it is to people who've pulled a, you know, 1991 Trek 920 out of the (laughs) shed and gone, actually, I really used to enjoy this before I had kids and a middle management job that I had to spend an hour and a half driving to every day and an hour and a half driving home to. So I can still do that job, but I can can go out in the woods. And And that's cool. And it's cool. (laughs) And look at me, I'm thinner. (laughs) You know, you speak to coaches and it's like, yeah, everybody gained 50 watts of power. Just because they weren't in races, so they could just go out and ride for the fun. Again, I yeah. think there's just people were just like, okay, I've got an hour. Let's have fun. Let's just appreciate that I'm a cyclist and I can get out. You know, was you get, literally a get out of jail free card? Definitely. Yeah, it was an amazing mental health thing for, for a huge amount of us, me included. Like, help, it helped keep me sane because it was something you could still do. And it was all right, you might not have been with your mates, but it was pretty normal. Yeah, but again, again, you, you know, we all kind of developed a coping strategy as well. Like when we could ride in pairs, yeah, we started doing like we could ride a little. You know, we could like do a two up. We we had like a, a Thursday night. We always have a Thursday night ride, but yeah. instead we'd just like pair up for Thursday nights, and we do like timed laps and stuff like that. <laughs> we just have a little just to keep us going, and it's just it's a kind of wartime spirit, wasn't it? And you know that you know. It just keeps, you know, that real kind of, you re- you really value community. You value the ability to ride and mm. what it actually means for you, which you can be really complacent about and really kind of offhand about yeah. until you're confronted with it. Mm-hmm. In the same way as health, you know, food, all these other things. Uh, hopefully it has, you know, alerted people to just how important a lot of the things that mountain biking can give you really are to the bigger mm. picture it's not just something you kind of like indulge in yeah it's really important it is a really i mean it sounds silly because it's just riding bikes around in circles and breaking them in the dirt behaving like children but that's actually for a lot of us a really really fundamental help for sure for yeah. our physical and our mental health yeah 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 it's our meditation basically yeah and that and it's not just ours it's everyone we connect with as well yeah so yeah, it's a huge thing. Yeah. So positives, lots of positives. Yeah, loads of positives. Last couple of years then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and lessons to keep with us and not kind of, yeah, try not to drift too far away from some of those things that were pushed forwards at that time. And I think the, you know, the level of conflict on trails has probably helped progress some areas as well, as far as like forming trail groups and like getting a bit more organized around access and stuff. I've seen some good examples of that North Wales Trail Collective is one example. I think that's a relatively new thing in the last uh, six to 12 months and feels like there's been some good progress there in like just get, yeah, getting together to look after trail spots and to ensure we've got that access, which is cool. Yeah, and also getting, to, I mean, trash your trails again, things like that. And also getting together to look after each other, Yeah, I think is a big thing, which I think is reflecting the different demographic we're seeing now, which is fantastic, seeing loads more it's far more inclusive mm-hmm. than it was even two years ago i mean things like project evolve everybody is so buzzing about that i haven't had a chance to speak to becky about that yet but everybody came from back from that absolutely buzzing and, yeah. people, and i was chatting to jim from stiffy went there and, he, and the union daniel team and he was just like 
girls just do mountain biking better. <laughs> I know exactly what he means. Cause like from what, you know, you just see, they're just genuinely like, yeah, this is ace. We're all out riding. Come on. Yeah. Let's go. And, and you know, he's, he said there was like, they were there and there was, you know, some proper hitters there and they were being great and really, you know, inspiring people and stuff like that. And then just out of nowhere, these kind of four 16 year old girls just turned up and just, just like full on, Sandy train down, down like the sickest lines. And everyone's like, who the hell are they? Just like, oh yeah, there's some, just some local lasses. Her dad drops them off on a Saturday and they're just session all day. And they're like full like suicides and whips, everything. People are like, wow. <laughs> and if that's the future, that's like brilliant. Yeah, so cool. Eh? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And they sold out like 150 tickets in minutes for that yeah. thing. Like, it was so popular. Yeah. Incredible. And, and it's just great seeing that Full inclusivity. Yeah. You know, loads of people from the industry there, loads of people from, you know, pro racing, free ride there, but also, you know, 16 year old local lasses and yeah. people who, who maybe didn't even ride, but maybe they'll go home and go, do you know what? I'm going to try and get a little bit of air on that little lump in the woods that yeah. I just normally sidle past. But it's just generating that spirit and enjoyment of the sport again. I mean, that's got to be, I mean, that matters way more than a head angle or a reach or a, I mean, obviously that's my business side of it, but yeah. it's really, really trivial. That's yeah. just to keep us, or dare I say it, blokes mostly <laughs> occupied when we can't ride. That, that That's not important at all. However no. much I may ring, you know, get excited about it, that stuff doesn't matter at all. It's, you know, it's your headspace, not your head angle. That's That's what's crucial. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice, like, it's very hard to not get excited seeing other people buzzing off riding bikes. Yeah. It's very yeah. hard to look at a geo chart and get too excited, but you see someone else Ooh, excited on a bike. Oh, I don't know, Chris. <laughs> 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 All right, but maybe we're a bit unique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's, like, I went out riding with a couple of lasses uh, a few weeks ago who someone, they'd moved to the area, they had mountain bikes. They would come up from, one of them would come up from South Africa where she'd just like do some stuff with Enduros. She was on the timing team for Enduros and stuff like that. And they were like, yeah, we're really keen to ride. Uh, so-and-so said you ride a lot. And, you know, we, could we come for a ride with you? And it's like, well, okay, we have to do, you have to, have to do a safety assessment. And so yeah. I rolled down to the end of the lane just to ride some local trails. And they were just like on the, the most Bob basic Carreras. And I was like, Oh, okay. So they haven't done the Cape Epic, I'm guessing then. Uh-huh. And we, but they were so up for it, you know, and I could have just gone, uh, no, kind of busy. I'll just do my standard Tuesday night ride. And, but it was just the most, one of the most wonderful mountain biking experiences I've had just cause they were like, Oh cool. Okay. It was like, they knew pretty much zero. Yeah. But you're just like, and you could just give them a couple of little tips. I'm like, I'm not going to try and explain everything to you, but just like, don't look at the problem, you know, look at the solution, keep your heels down yeah, and don't use too much front brake. But, and by the end of it, we'd done a, like an hour and a half. It got dark. They were just in trackies. <laughs> you know, I'd lent them my bike because they were just getting, the one of the lasses, uh, Risky, was, her bike was far too small. So she ended up riding like an eight grand Scott Spark <laughs> just because I needed to get some time and on tires on it. And she was like, this is amazing. This is so good. Nice. And we ended up coming through the wood and they got gradually, you know, better and better and better. It was dark. They were smashing through the puddles. Just like, this is just so awesome. Yeah. You know, cool. properly whooping and hollering. No, no, they weren't going, 
oh, I'm not sure about the compression rating on this fork. Or, oh, do these grips always feel like that? And it's like, oh, these tyres. Oh. Like, like we would do probably. We'd be pretty guilty of that. And we came out of the woods at the end of the lane and they'd ridden down, like I think it was like five steps in a row to get onto this little footbridge. We didn't ride off the steps at the end of the footbridge. Uh-huh. Definitely not. But, you know, they'd kind of like, come on, you can do it. You know, basically it's just a slope with lumps in. Yeah. Just keep straight. And it's a horrible, it, it, it's a nervy moment getting someone to do that. But if you think they can do it and they're like, down. And it was just like, and I was just like, yeah, it's like the whole like valley. It was dark and it was the whole valley was like echoing. It's just like, that's awesome. And we came out at the end, we stopped at a gate and just one of those, they were just like, this is so cool. This is like the best Tuesday night we've had. It's like, like, Crikey, just such a release of emotion. Like, I can't believe we've just done all this, like from just from the town, and it's amazing. Just like, you know, we rode through some fields and a few woods, and oh, they just gave me a massive hug. It's just like, <laughs> whoa, I'd forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten that that's what mountain biking is. Yeah, I'd never really thought about it, but as we get more experience we get harder to please yeah but beginners are very easy to get that stoke back and when you ride with people like we've got a few mates that have got into it in the last couple of years and every time you go riding with them you just get more excited about riding because you see them like yeah it's buzzing off it so infectious yeah yeah but i was like okay that's a major control alt delete on your little grumbly little world actually (laughs) stop being such a princess because you got you know to can drag that illusion on you got a whole kingdom yeah you're a princess yeah there's a pee under your bed because you'd rather have this tire and you'd be very upset because you can't get a new chain if this one breaks but holy crap yeah, look yeah. how much fun they just had on bikes that didn't fit didn't barely had suspension probably be better if they didn't <laughs> and you'd but you know what that that if if the can't you know i don't know i can't recommend just going riding with new people enough if you want to invest some time you might think oh but i could have done a hill session in that or i could have done a skills session in that or i could have got some sick pictures for insta the rest of your year will be so much better and you will have so much more life for those sprint sessions or so much you know more enthusiasm for going out and doing some corners or for you know, taking some sick Insta pics because you'll be absolutely stoked because you went out and saw someone kind of get that buzz for the first time. It's just amazing. Yeah. Just so good. I mean, that's, you know, I think people go, you normally do a, well, what, what upgrade should you do for 150 quid? I'm like, sod the 150 quid. <laughs> you know, just go out and take someone out for a ride. You know, and on that note, don't, if you turn up on an eight grand bike and they've got a 300 quid bike, give them the eight grand bike. They need the help. Give them you don't. Up. Yeah. You know, and you see so many couples out like that or, you know, groups where it's just like, oh, yeah, watch me. Look at how amazing my Kashima coating is, honey. It's like going, oh, you prat. And they're riding the <laughs> thing you don't want to ride anymore because the gears are a bit glitchy. And I think, I think we talked about this last I time. We yeah, so done, yeah. I'll shut up, but the point's still to be made. That's <laughs> no, a fair point. Go out, give point. someone the mountain biking experience. In the best way you can. Yeah. Don't show off. Let them discover how good it is. Yeah, because it is really, really good. It's ace. Yeah. It must be, because we're still doing it. Yeah, very true.
kept me engaged for a few years, definitely. Exactly, so. yeah. And lots of, we were chatting in the kitchen earlier and you, know, you were interviewing Al Muldoon mm. for the thing about bike connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's been doing it for I'd, I'd probably as long as I have. I uh-huh. think he said 20 years, but he's been lurking about in the in the shadows beyond that, before that. But just to hear him still so totally fired up and then flip to the last and bike rumour, who's kind of just started on the journey and just like, she's loving it. You're like, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool it's sport. so it really good. Is. If we were runners, yeah. we'd be on the shelf by now. Our <laughs> knees would be in boxes in the hospital, you know? But we've still got that same vibe and stuff. Sorry, I'm, I've gone massively off topic. No, it's good. I like you're it. checking yeah, yeah. your notes there. So no, I mean, I, I, I'd literally, I hadn't really thought about it in that in that way. But I've experienced that and just not really clicked. Like actually, it's quite good to go riding with people that are just learning because you do. It's infectious. You just you can't help but buzz off it. And I had the same feeling like going through some of the social media because I was following Project Evolve on Instagram. And just seeing the output from that day was enough to get me excited about bikes, you know. So yeah, it's cool. Go ride with some some people that are getting into it and that are learning, and or just new people along the way, yeah, or yeah, just or, new people. However experienced they are, because they might show you a new track. Yeah, yeah. They might, or they just might do something weird, like turn up with a pizza oven in the back of their van. You go, oh, that's amazing. So you'll turn, you know, next next time you maybe turn up with people, just everybody's got something to add to the experience. For sure, yeah. And whether you're someone who just sits at the back and just observes or someone who gets in everybody's face and is a hype monger, whatever, you know, there's something, I mean, yeah, avoid those people like me, but, you know, <laughs> there's, there's so many, such a diverse community. Yeah. And the more we can embrace that, the better. Absolutely the better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of room for it to get more diverse, for sure. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Just nice. a little. Did the pizza oven thing really happen? Yeah. That's next level. Talking my language. Who is this person? <laughs> Al Rafferty. You know that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mr. Yeah. Sram. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I went straight out and bought a pizza oven. I haven't done it yet, but we're having a barbecue tonight because we've got a rider coming back who's been off injured for six okay. months. So we're quietly organizing a barbecue in the background, but nice. I haven't really got time to make pizza dough for tonight. Okay. But it will happen. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. But it's pretty mm. good, you know up to heat in about 20 minutes. They just send them off to the, like, the last lap of single track and you come back, boom. Oh, it's good, mate. I never thought riding could get better, but maybe yeah, it can. exactly. And again, I think you go back, uh, there's so many different ways you can kind of add to a ride. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might not be the most skilled rider who can lead people down descent, but you might be ace at reading maps and go, actually, maybe we could link that descent to that climb. Yeah. Or you may be the guy who's got a pizza oven. Yeah, you know, and that's that's your role in that group. It goes back to when you interviewed Chris Hilton, mm-hmm. where it's like there are so many ways to get into the bike industry, and in the same, you know, you can be a really good accountant and go work for a bike firm. You know, you don't have to be a shit hot designer or yeah. a, or a steezy rider. You can just be really good at HR, <laughs> and you still get to ride bikes and work for a bike company. It's cool. In the same way, as like, you might be the guy who just organises the best af- after ride. Yeah. Richard Baybutt from uh, Cottick always does, you'll be randomly at the top of a hill and he'll pull some cans of beer out of his pocket. Yeah. Like, trail beer? You're like, yes. Yeah. I'd love one. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've like got that. whiskey, we've got whiskey flask guys. Yeah. They're the same. Nice. Or you just know they're the ones with the tools. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's respect that person because yeah. he saved our ass many, many times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just it's... And I've kind of wandered off here, and but I think it's it, it ended up being a celebration of what's kind of great about mountain biking. And I think going back to your original point, 
hopefully a lot more people have realised that. Yeah, I think so. We can be grumpy. We can be defensive. We can be very, very self-absorbed. Mm. But yeah. I don't think that helps. No, it doesn't. I, mean, I should know. I've been perfecting it for years. <laughs> <laughs> and you just go, yeah, actually, you're not really, not really helping here. Just be good at what you're good at. Yeah, let and people in. Yeah. For sure. There's room at the table. Oh, yeah, plenty of room. There's a lot of room at the table. And when there's more people at the table, more people are willing to serve you food. Yeah. And open up restaurants for you. And, the, yeah, the table's getting bigger, right? Yeah. Like, there's more and more trails everywhere all the time. Like, we went yeah. back up to the Tweed Valley, which is always a great example of, you know, I think they've got a really good thing going on there. But whenever, you know, you're like, oh, there's so many trails here. And then you go back and you're like, well, there's another five amazing trails that yeah. are just magic themselves onto the hill but it's not that it's a great community working together it you know there's a bunch of people with different ideas putting different tracks in different styles like it's it's super cool so yeah we're in a good place but room to get even better i think which is good yeah yeah and again maybe covid has helped that i think yeah, yeah i think it definitely has maybe even not being able to get a derailleur helped that because <laughs> we still need some kind of fix for mountain bikings but you know, maybe we're smelling the roses a bit more and being a bit more careful about sideswiping a rock or whatever. Or just change, change. this is consciousness shift, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Right, let's talk about bikes. Yes, definitely. Grr. So some of the things you've been on, and one of them really stood out to me because I really want to really ride it and I haven't, and that's the Specialised Stump Jumper Evo. Um, so I think you went on the original launch, which was of the Carbon model. Yeah. Give us, um, yeah, give us some of your thoughts on the bike and how you got on with it. And also, it's really adjustable, right? So I'm kind of interested in your take on that. It's not just adjustable. It's really easily adjustable okay. in a really easy to understand way. Uh-huh. I mean, you've got three headset positions yeah, just by changing. And I was like, oh, okay, can I be really bothered? But it's literally as simple as whipping the stem off, changing the top race. Yeah. Well, changing the cup the top race sits in and putting the stem back on. You know, you could probably, do, if you were Formula One about it, you could do it in under a minute, no right. problem at all. Okay. Literally from stopping, getting your mini tool that's obviously on your bottle cage already. Of course. You know, and pulling the headset cups, which are in your stowage, in your frame. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's just the friendliest, easiest bike to ride. Yeah. Without being dull. Okay. That's the key thing. Because yeah. you can have a very placid Labrador of a bike, but you still want to chase sticks. Yeah. And it's... It's great. You know, it's been great for people experimenting. You know, if you're, and it's still light, it's still pedalable. The Alloy one's pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Carbon one, the Carbon GX one is a real sweet spot in terms of value. We tested okay. the Alloy one and the Carbon one head to head. Yeah. And, and again, that's interesting. You know, it's interesting what you can and can't spot on that. You know, it's not necessarily the obvious things. Yes, it's, you know, well over a kilo mm. lighter. The Carbon one is. Yeah, the Carbon yeah. one is. But it's things like, the G- you suddenly realise how much nicer GX shifters feel compared to NX shifters. Uh-huh. Or even if you've got identical bike. You know, we got to the point where it was like, something slightly different about the back end on this. It turned out it was just a cassette weight. No we way. swapped the wheels around in the end. Yeah. And the alloy bike comes with an NX cassette, which is about 150 grams heavier, I think, off the top of my head, than yeah. a GX cassette. Uh. You could really feel that. Yeah? Yeah, really feel it. Yeah, yeah. You know, back to back, that's what that little kind of... Uh, was on it yeah and uh, that's you know and that's what putting into the carbon bike just yeah. to double check you know zeroing off air pressures to make sure they were the same and everything like that but no straight away you're like okay and then that plays back into a whole other you know <laughs> but yeah great 
fun, really, really good bike in uh-huh. terms of all the things that they've put on it are just real practical gains. Like the storage on the down tube yeah, is excellent now. Yeah. There's a few people paying it lip service where it's not actually that good. Uh-huh. You know, it's a bit of a fight still, but you can get a whole ton of, you can get three jumbo sausage rolls in there, <laughs> which is a shame because I, I thought I'd only put two in and I found the third one about a month later ah. and it was the same blue as the, uh, as the frame. Oh dear. So sorry about that, Spesh. But, but yeah, just, and then again, what's interesting, you put a review like that up on there and people go, yeah, actually I prefer the Alloy one. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, I had an, you know, I'm a big, brutal rider and I had a carbon one and I cracked it. Right. And it's fine, you know, Specialized sorted me out, but I've actually moved to the, I sold it and moved to the Alloy one uh-huh. because I just want that bit more strength. But then that's a whole another sustainability thing because actually in the grand scheme of things, they could probably could have compared, repaired the carbon one. Whereas if you do ding the Alloy one, it's much harder to repair. But, True, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's all sorts of, but yeah, sorry, what did you actually want to know about the Stumpy Eva? I just wandered off as per well, usual. I mean, a couple of things, I guess. I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested by the fact that you've been able to back-to-back the an aluminium and a carbon version of the same bike kind of so closely and whether you felt much obviously there's those differences that come from some of the componentry specs but were there like did the bike dynamically on the trail feel much different because obviously i guess stiffnesses and things like that are going to be different between the two materials the carbon bike just felt brighter okay i would say i mean there's a physical difference in that say if you're going uphill and you come out of a corner and accelerate on the carbon bike, the fact it's lighter, yeah, and the fact you've got a stiffer GX crank on it rather than an X, means that you kind of got two or three pedal strokes free, is how we were describing okay. it. Yeah. And then you kind of feel the weight of the bike kind of start to kick in. You go, oh. Whereas the alloy bike, you came out the corner and went, right, <laughs> on we go. Because it's 14, hang on, what is it, 16 and a half kilos? Okay. Yeah, Whereas yeah. the alloy bike's just over 14, I think. The carbon bike. Sorry, carbon 14. bike. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, it, is that right? It's 14, I think it was 1,400 grams difference off the top of my head. It's a big change. It's a yeah. big change. And that you obviously notice. But also the whole car might just felt brighter. Yeah. A little bit brighter, a little bit tighter. I mean, it's a specialised. They never go super, super tight. It's not like a Focus mm-hmm. or some, uh, or a Trek, where the carbon bikes are really, really tight and very stiff Yeah, in comparison. You know, they're still, specialised always kind of have a warmer feel to them. Same mm-hmm. with the suspension. You know, it never feels super punchy. Yeah. It feels very good. It's very easy. It doesn't kick you through the feet. It doesn't jack up when you're braking, obviously. Again, it's just a really, really easy bike to ride. Mm-hmm. But it corners like an absolute loon. You know, it's great. But what's interesting, going back to that initial launch, was that it climbs better, in my opinion, IMHO, uh, it climbs better than the shorter travel one. Okay. I really didn't get on with the shorter travel one. Yeah, interesting. Which is interesting. Uh and I think that's actually structural. I think yeah. it's the carbon they've used, and it's a flex stem back, a flex stay back end. Yeah, yeah, on the on the stump jumper. on the stump jumper yeah. on the shorter travel one because that's the bike I should love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still progressive geometry, but it's less travel and it's a lot lighter. But it just, we just didn't get on. And I spent okay. I asked for it back, and we spent I spent months trying all sorts of tricks with it. Yeah, but just just was never keen, never keen to have a good go at a climb or really kind of perk things up. Love the Epic Evo. Yeah. Love the stump jumper Evo. Yeah. But but then some people, you know, loads most of the reviews I've seen have been super positive. Interesting. On the S works. So and the only difference between an S works and a standard one is ninety grams worth of carbon linkage. Yeah. So it might be massively different, but I'd be surprised. Yeah. So, so I guess it's just 
And again, it just goes, I mean, it's something I wrote about this week, goes back to, is it what you're actually feeling or is it what you're expecting to feel? Yeah. Because physics, you know, in terms of sheer physics, the lighter bike will be easier to climb. If I'm Seb Stott with power meter pedals, I would probably find out if I rode up that f- consistent fire road, the stump jumper will go better than the stump jumper Evo. Yeah. In terms of the way it makes you feel when you press the pedals and the way it lifts or responds on the trail, stump jumper Evo every time for me. Yeah. Which, which is, is really, you know, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of adjustability. Like it feels like it's a bit of a trend. A lot of brands are baking more adjustability into bikes. Do you think that's a good thing for, for the masses? Cause you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of art to setting a bike up anyway. And there's already a lot of adjustability with like, you know, bar height, bar roll, brake position, saddle height, suspension setups, all of this kind of stuff. There's actually a huge amount that you can do to a bike to change, fundamentally change how it feels and how it rides on the trail. And brands are adding more. Like, yeah, and bearing in mind that most people don't even have their tyre pressure. Most people you see on the trail don't even know their tyre pressure set, right? It's just whatever they left the shop at yeah. plus whatever's leaked out. Yeah. Pretty much. True. You know, uh, it's definitely a double-edged sword. You know, I mean, I, there are some, there's a, it's stories of some motorbike manufacturers deliberately just like having clicks on there that did nothing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I do remember once I was running a pace rigid fork way back when. And just for a laugh, I screwed a compression damping dial onto the top of it. And pe- people were actually pressing on the fork and then moving the dial and just guy going, is this doing anything? I'm like going, of course, it's got steel. It's a steel leg rigid fork. That was Clive from Cannondale. I will never let him forget that. But me and John White were just howling with laughter watching people doing it because it's like, and I think I reviewed a, a megawatt, new proof uh-huh. megawatt. And I was like, yeah, it's got performance elite fork on the front, which is brilliant because you've got high and low speed compression damping, high yeah. and low speed rebound damping. Yeah, got loads of adjustability. I mean, it's only performance on the back, but to be honest, it's probably a good thing because they've got the tune so good. Okay. It's, you can't screw it up. You can, you know, you leave the climb lever on, but apart from that, just, yeah. It's like the old adage about the dog in the factory, isn't it? It's the factory of the future will have two employees, a man and a dog. Okay. The man's job is to feed the dog. The dog's job is to keep the man away from the machines. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot to be said for that. You yeah. know, if they've done the, if they've done their job properly, the bike will be already the best it can be. Mm. But people love to play with dials. Oh yeah. We all do. Absolutely love it. You know, we love the graphic equalizer on our eighties stereo when we were growing up or yeah. You know, we'll always think we can know better. I think English are almost worse at that than anyone else. We've kind of made it our historical thing. Uh, just like, oh, no, 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 no. Here, dear, I'll, I'll show you how to do that. You know, it's, it's the whole my beer of blue and red dials, isn't it? And if that's what you want from a bike, then great. And the nice thing is, I think bandwidths have got a lot better. Uh-huh, okay. Whether you're looking at damping setups like Fox, it's almost no point having me having an adjustment on Fox Forks for a whole load of years because I was too light a rider. Yeah. I wasn't Aaron Gwynn. And they told me that every time I rode them because I just have to have everything turned off and it would still be too rigid a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, there's a lot more workable range on there. Rock shocks have always been good at that. Yeah. It's always been a rock shock strength. But just things like e-bikes now, they pull from a wider cadence range. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the the software on them is a bit smarter. It can kind of scoop you up from different places. It doesn't just drop you off an edge, go, well, you're under 50 RPM. Nah. You're not having anything. It's like, oh, all right, you'll have a little bit. Yeah. So things are shifting to a more sort of balanced and they're scooping people up. But what was interesting with the Evo is everybody I know who's ridden it 
even when they haven't wanted to, I like speaking to Mick Kirkman from NBR, and he was like, I really didn't want to like it in the slackest, longest setting. But that's where I've ended up. Because <laughs> oh, really? like, really, it's, it's, it's low and it's long. It's like 63 and a half degree head, yeah, I think, yeah. in the slackest setting. Yeah. Yeah, slackest, lowest. I think that's as long as it goes. So, and he was just like, yeah, it's just better. Which is great, you know, you you did the Strive talk and Spectral, didn't you, for Kenya? We did, yeah. The other week. And again, you know, the Strive, you're like, okay. It's really good. And that's great. You know, yeah. it's it's essentially like going on a bike fitting rig. You can go, oh, okay. And, and kind of, you're more likely to buy a bike that offers that, but also offers you the chance of not liking it and running something more conservative. True, yeah, yeah. And if, yeah, it's a little, I mean, you, if you didn't want, adjustable geometry and you didn't want the SWAT hatch, you could buy a status. You know, the bike that Specialized don't want anyone to know about. Although I think UK site actually lists it on their site now. It's the okay. only global site that actually tells you it exists. Because otherwise it's just an entirely, it's a very weird marketing strategy, but that bike's brilliant. And it's okay. essentially the same thing. Yeah. It's an old Enduro back end on a new front end that doesn't have any bells and whistles, but it's just a really, really great shape. And it's an absolute bargain and it rides great. And it's it's essentially just like a BTEX stump jumper uh-huh. so if you don't want any adjustability just get that because it rides great already but in terms of you know and you've got to remember people have got to sell these things yeah yeah you know so if you can go oh and it's got somewhere for your sandwiches <laughs> and you can be whatever level of hero you want through the headset that's two more things the salesman's got to talk about and if you just look at how many bikes are now having a lunchbox in them or mm-hmm. glove box I think Santa Cruz now call it yeah I don't know how many people use them. I mean, I love them. I think they're brilliant because they kind of help. They stop me stealing tools out of my tool pa- out of my backpack, which I can get to. They're just awkward enough. Yeah, it's like an energy bar that's a bit shit. <laughs> they're the best kind. Ones that you can eat immediately. Useless because you just go be peckish. I'll eat that. Yeah. Whereas if you still got that power bar from MBUK in like 1987. <laughs> That you just have to like properly have to manually move your jaw to get yeah, through. That's always going to be there. Yeah. When you need it, when you, when, when you get marooned in the Cairngorms, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. So you I can still got that. You can and fill kind your of, swap box with that yeah, kind you of can, stuff. Yeah. You? Your swap box, you can put a gear cable in there. Yeah. That gear cable you're always supposed to have, but you never do. Yeah. And a little bit of first aid stuff and a proper pump and an inner tube and your multi-tool. And because it's a little bit awkward, you don't then get them out when you're fettling the workshop. They're still there. They're that yeah. little. That's where I think it's a massive win. You can put a jacket in there as well. On the specialised one, you can even put a bladder in there. It's mad. You even get like this weird little sort of medieval sort of drinking bladder, <laughs> which, yeah, which looks like something out of Vikings in there, which I don't think, I, I mean, maybe people do use it. I don't know. If you're going long distance, then great. You've got double the bottle capacity. Yeah. And, and again, you know, things like just having little mounts on other bikes for the storage and things like that, you know, it's, yeah, you don't need them, but if you use them, Mm. then they're a really great idea, but it always comes back to if you use them. And I think when people are choosing a bike, they need to realistically look at what they will use. And often the best way to do that is look at what they don't like about their previous bike. Yeah. And actually really drill into that, you know. A, can I make this bike ride better by servicing it or by just changing these components on it? Mm. In which case, grand, do that. Or if you just want a new bike, get a new bike. But at least go through what you were, what really annoys you about what your current bike is, not necessarily 
what the media is telling you you should have. Mm, yeah, okay. I think key. That's that's always got to be a key. I'm not sure quite why we got here, but we have anyway. And well, basically, the stump jumper allows you to have all those experiments. Yes. In a really, really safe environment, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all that, all that geometry, all that suspension, and things like that, and the fact it does pedal really pretty well. I mean, it's not the sharpest pedaling bike. It's a specialised. They tend not to be. You know, you get a VPP or a DW link bike, or an Orange even, or pedal. Mm. There'll be more pedal kickback. You'll feel it more through your feet, and you'll go, "Look at me, woof!" I can chase an e-bike. Whereas a specialised, like, oh, I'll get to the top. But what's interesting, I always, nearly always find with specialised when I'm riding them on longer rides. I start off a little bit like, oh, everybody's pedaling off. Oh, it's a bit of a chore pedaling this. And then by the end of the ride, I'm like, where's everybody gone? <laughs> everybody's looking tired. Everyone's looking a bit more shaken up. That's interesting. So, oh, okay, so there's all those little vibrations that I was picking up at first that made it feel fast, that made it feel sharp, made it feel aggressive. They're actually all quite tiring. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. it's another little shake of your muscle or a little rattle of your bone or whatever. Yeah. And at the end of the ride, you're like, hang on a minute, I'm still spinning along. Oh, look, everybody else is hanging. <laughs> right, crack on now, you know. So yeah. again, it's there's so many things to talk about with that. But yeah, especially Stump Jumper Evo. We can, I've still got one. So if you want to borrow it, you're oh, more than welcome. Yeah. But it's quite interesting. And then you compare it to something like uh, Canyon. Yeah, I was going to say, you spent some time on the Spectral, right? Which is basically the same bike. Almost yeah, okay. exactly angles yeah. reach, but it doesn't have a uh, swap box. No, and it doesn't have adjustable geometry. Yeah, does it? It's got a flip. flip. It's got a flip chip, yeah. but it's not as adjustable. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. But you can, you know, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. It's, a, I mean, as good value as that that one model of Specialized is. This Canyon is knocks it out of the park. Yeah. In terms of value, but there's only one way you can buy it, and I think there's five different ways you can buy a Specialized now. <laughs> They'll even deliver it to your door in white gloves, apparently. Lovely. Yeah. Really? But you could, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but then again, you could. delivery and like yeah. build it up for you and stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah and yeah. like you ride it around the block and yeah. go, oh, you are good. Maybe you need a bit more sag. Wow. Yeah. There's like, they've, that's their new thing. Yeah, Specialized okay. have always been big on the customer service kind of thing. Yeah. But then again, you could probably get someone in an Uber to come with white gloves and build up your canyon for you and still be quids in. Probably could. I'm sure someone will do it. <laughs> but then again, you know, where do you perceive the value in that equation is how much you've got to look at yourself and go, how many times do I need to be helped out by the local shop? Yeah. Or am I self-sufficient? And that's, uh, you know, you've got to price that up yourself because it's very easy going, oh, well, this is cheap, but look, I get XT on this and Dior on that. Well, that's obviously the bike to buy. Yeah. Is it? Is it really? Especially now because... Your local shop might go, look, you've broken that, but we've got one of these you can burrow for mm-hmm. the weekend or whatever, or, oh, we'll try this saddle, da-da-da-da-da. You know, especially when spares are short, you know, you need someone in your corner. Yeah, true. And as good as someone can be on the end of a phone line or, you know, down in the Surrey Hills, it's different from being a mile or two down the road. Yeah, from a friendly local yeah. bike shop. Yeah. But then again, some bike shops aren't that friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, let's leave that one. Yeah, let's not go there. Let's, let's got, not leave that one. I've got an unfriendly local bike shop, but anyway, we won't go into that. Yeah, which again, why? Why no. would you? Why would you do that? Yeah, how can you love bikes enough to work in a bike shop and not want to be nice to people about? It's like Gollum, is it's my precious. Don't yeah. take the nice things away. Oh, bit strange. Yeah, but anyway, there you go. How, yeah, how do you think the the spectral goes out on the trailing? Because we, everyone I've ridden them with 
has kind of buzzed off them. They seem like a really fun, easy, playful bike to get on with. What were your thoughts? Because you went on the launch, I think, as well, yeah? Uh, yeah, I went the, yeah, I went on yeah. the Surrey Hills, the more recent one where they added more metal, metal uh, models. Yeah. I'd ridden it previous to that. Uh, it's deceptive. <laughs> it's very deceptive because it's almost so good it's not doesn't tell you how good it is. Okay. Until you, I mean, I remember riding down Geiscliff behind Jarman and just going, I can still see him. This never happens. <laughs> and up to that point, I hadn't kind of realised because it's not a very dem- demonstrative bike. It's so sorted mm. that it's kind of quite quiet about things. And again, they've just backed off a little bit on it in terms of the kind of edginess. And so- I like really like the CFR. Yeah, okay. Which is the one with the lighter, tighter frame. Yeah. Higher modular spec carbon. Yeah. But again... Then it's weird that they've still put kind of all the heavy stuff on. If that had been what I really, really wanted to do was pull like take the like the thirty six the or the lyric off it and put a uh, put a pike in it uh-huh. and put an inline shock in it and put lighter wheels in it and lighter tires. Yeah, because that would have actually ended up being significantly lighter than the Spectral One Two Five they bought out. Yeah, yeah. Because when they bought out a Spectral One Two Five, I was like, what is the point in that? You know, I've, I'm an early nineties mountain bike. I've got like, well. I like going up hills. It's not even any lighter. And then I've just ridden the Spectral 125. I saw it in the garage, yeah. Totally different bike. Just so much pop and yeah, play. And yeah. that less travel is a real advantage because it takes away that almost anaesthetizing feel of the bigger Spectral, mm-hmm. which in theory is, you know, gets you out of trouble. It's, you know, makes it a little less edgy. Yeah. But it kind of loses that immediacy. It doesn't throw you as far off a jump. It doesn't really kind of engage your elbows and your feet in a turn. Yeah. And I jumped straight on that 125 and I PR'd on several really technical trails. Interesting. Even though I was absolutely knackered that day. But then again, maybe the fact I was knackered was what made me ride better because I wasn't, I didn't have the energy to get annoyed at myself and make mistakes. Yeah. But anyway, I just jumped. I was like, oh, I get it now. Because I've got a real beer my bonnet about shorter travel bikes not being lighter. Yeah. Which is stupid because they're not going to be. Because we still want the same tyres on the same dropper post. And arguably they need to be even stronger because they're not getting as much help from the suspension. Yeah. So you can actually build a longer travel bike lighter in theory because it's taking more, This the suspension is actually taking more heat out of the ground essentially for you. Yeah. But yeah, I went from going like, not really sure why this exists, but you can send me one if you want to. It's like, oh, this is ace. This is, and that's, you know, it's funny. I just, I like the fact that there's still that, you know, numbers can be so misleading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're often all we've got to go at unless you get involved with the words and the riding experience of it. And again, demo days are great. Yep. You know, I've done a couple of 100%. demo days for Wheelbase recently and it's super interesting to see what people's feedback is. Yeah. Some of you are like, oh, wow, okay. Wow. You know, it's like watching programs on incels on Netflix. You're like, oh my Lord, <laughs> people really think that, do you? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to, yeah, where's reverse on this gearbox? And others, you're like, I never even thought about it. Like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I get it now. Do you find that useful for your professional side of things to go oh. to a demo and speak to regular people that are getting off bikes that they've never ridden before? And Essential. Yeah. Not useful. Yeah. Absolutely essential because it's so easy to vanish up your ass doing this. Uh-huh. So easy to start believing your own spell, especially if you, you know, sitting in your own little workshop up north like Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> you know, that was one of the first, you know, if people start riding with our group, one of the first things is just like, what 
when I start being an absolute bell end, just tell me, please. It's like, oh, so I'm upset about these tyres or whatever. Because, yeah, of course, they're, they're the people. And that's what's great about YouTube as well, is people keep reminding you. You know, they tug on your sleeve and go, yeah, but how much do you weigh and what, you know, yeah. what, like, the, the most common questions are the most simple, the most mm-hmm. basic, like, what tyre pressure and what size should I get? Yeah. And that, I, you see very, very few reviews ever mention that. True. And again, in some instances, that's the massive strength of the brand. Like on a Trek, you can get a medium large. Yeah. I think Starling do it as well now. Mm-hmm. And Giant, Giant have done it for a while on road bikes, certainly, but I don't know if they do it on, uh, they might do it on mountain bikes now as well. Just like, well, there you go. Instantly you've made a lot more people happier. And then other brands are like, yeah, it's great price, but you can only get a medium large and extra large or medium and large. Yeah. And so I said, yeah, but it's not great value if you need an extra small. And, you know, and again, that's what most people are looking at on a demo. But what's interesting is like, there are so many sort of mythical long held beliefs and stuff like that. And, and also you forget if people don't know you can change things really easily, they can get really, really fixated on one thing. You just go, yeah, but you could have just done this. You know, like Stephen Weird stuff, like, oh, I didn't like the way the buttons worked on the axis. Well, it's like, change them in the app. Yeah. Or I didn't like the way it pedaled. It's like, well, flick that switch or roll that lever or something like that. There is, yeah. it's kind of, I wouldn't say shocking. There's quite a lot of ignorance about stuff, but there's also, you realize you're ignorant about stuff as well. Yeah. Because there's more people thinking that than you going, oh, did you not know? Yeah. You Actually, that tiny little blue screen that you can't really see here opens this whole wonderland of things that would solve that problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. demo teams haven't got the time to do that. Yeah. And also, yeah, no, absolutely vital. Always vital to talk to people you meet on the trail. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's why I hang about trailhead car parks like a 14-year-old outside an off-license going, oh, what do you think of that? Oh, how are you getting on with that? And sometimes you're like, well, I'm not surprised. But other times you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, even, and I've had some really surprising things like, you know, I remember my wife first riding a bike and just going, why do the shifters go in different directions? Because uh, they do. And then it was, you know, it was back when rapid rise was the thing. She was like, this makes so much more sense. You're like yeah. going, yeah, it really does. But because it wasn't what people were used to, nah, didn't happen. Yeah. And just like, you know, even just things like where the bottle cage is or something like that, or whether your lights fit on it. There's so many different things, you know, it's, dead easy to get again it's back to you know how important is the head angle in the grand scheme of things which is great you know when you've got a bike like a specialized you can change it on but maybe yeah. it's more important for you that it has a swap box in it yeah or maybe you just like the color yeah which is fine which is absolutely fine but yeah you have to get out in the real world and demo days are a great way of they're great for everybody, I have to yeah. say. They're the best way to try a bike. Yeah, and there's a lot more of that going on again now since uh, things have got a bit less restrictive. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, absolutely essential to go and actually find out what people are actually interested in. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just talking to yourself. Yeah. Essentially, keeps you you're connected. answering your own questions. Yeah. And as much as you try and answer as many questions as you can, there's, you're always going to miss stuff. Yeah. Fair. One more bike I want to pick up on is the uh, Santa Cruz Bronson in the mullet format. I think you've ridden that in the last year or so. Yes. Give me give me some thoughts on that and give me your thoughts on mullet in general because you're just, how tall he is just so people know. 5'11". Okay. 
So I normally ride a large. Yeah. Uh, so I can, because I like going fast, I tend to defer to 29er, yep. both ends. You know, like when it first started, there was the over 40s rule, but only over 40s could ride 29. I was just the right <laughs> side of that. So <laughs> we actually had that rule on the, on our riding club. So uh, you know, people who need the help can have a 29 for a bit more rolling speed. And uh, yeah, mullets, I think are great. Yeah. I think are great. I'm still, they're not just psychosomatic. It can feel that way on a standard bike yeah. because you haven't got us. It's still pretty easy to tip a 29er in. When you go to an e-bike, that's when it becomes really obvious. You mm-hmm. ride something like a nuke-proof megawatt and you go, oh yeah, or a Spectral on. You yeah. just go, yes, I get it now. This is where it really works. And I was doing some work with Cy on his e-bike. Mm-hmm. And again, the mullet, you're just like top of uh, top of one of the runs. I just like, whoa, it just turns in so dramatically because that accentuates the amount you have to pressure the bike to get it to tip in. Yeah. And that's where it becomes really, really clear. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think I reviewed the Bronson up at Hard Rock. Okay, yeah. And there was just one, of, there was, I was just down there and I was like, oh, this is good, this is really poppy. You are losing a little bit in terms of smoothness, in terms of impact control, and it feels a little more sluggish. Mm-hmm. But again, you're dealing with all this psychosomatic stuff going on. So is it really, is it not? Yeah. You know, it's probably realistically a tyre compounds difference. Okay, like if between that, a max grip and, and a, a max terror. Max probably terror, not even yeah. that. It's probably the difference between a DHR and a dissector. Yeah. Or something like that in terms of rolling speed. But if you're princessy about it, you will notice that. But there was just one corner where just like the front end was pushing. I was like, uh-oh, I'm going to end up in Richmond in a mess because I'm going <laughs> off the top of this berm. And suddenly the back end just went, frap! In just that way that you'd like to think if you ever got a cover shot. I did used to, I don't anymore since you had to be steezy. But just that proper like flick out the back end and get sideways, you're like, yes. Nice. It just, mullet, best way I can sum up mullet, it makes me ride how I want how I want to be seen I ride, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I have exactly the same feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <coughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it just makes me ride in a kind of caricature manner. Yeah, yeah, it makes me want to step the back end out and just well, literally arse about. I guess it just encourages that kind of speed whale. It's like putting a fuse in on the back end. Yeah, you know, it just yeah. So no, I really, I really like it. But I know other people have really struggled with setting it up. Okay, on the other hand, but I on think the Bronson is this? Yeah, yeah, on the Bronson because I think they wanted it to be a twenty. You can't have both. Yeah, you've got to go. Well, it ain't going to roll as fast and yeah. it is going to feel a bit more clumsy, a bit more lumpy mm-hmm. when you're slapping into square stuff. That's the basic physics of it. Yeah. But in quarters, yes. Yeah, for sure. That's ace and it pops the front wheel up a bit easier and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah. No, I like mullet. Uh, I like, I'm going to set my pace up mullet uh, when I get that. There's some stuff I need to do on that first. But yeah, I've deliberate. you know, I've made sure I've got a 27 and a half inch back wheel. Nice. And uh I'm running the tandem mullet as well at the moment. That that makes bugger all difference, to be honest. <laughs> it's just it can't put a 29 in the back end, but, yeah. you know, it makes it fashionable. Well, there you go, yeah. You're yeah, on, on trend end, with you it. know, exactly. And it's something you can do if you're bored of your bike, as it is, it's a really easy thing to do. Yeah. And that's one thing that makes me laugh, is all the people who go to immense trouble about going, oh, yeah, we've corrected the geometry from mullet. I really don't see the point. Okay, go on then. Because the whole point, you want a mullet because you want to get the back end out and you want to ride a bit more larry. And surely you want it lower and slacker and shorter at the back end. 
I guess it depends how low and slack it is already. No, no, no. Because <laughs> you've already you've already accepted that, haven't you? You know, it's not going to be massively different. Yeah, but you were like clip, you know, clipping pedals and stuff can start becoming. If an you're issue clipping pedals on a mullet, you're probably close to clipping pedals on a twenty nine. You've already made that decision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not a massive difference. I mean, I. I, I mean, it might be. Yeah. In yeah. some situations, it might be. But really, yeah, it's nah. not a massive difference. I mean, I rode the Flare Max that I had a few years ago in 29 and then just stuck a rear, smaller rear wheel in to try it. No other modifications in it. it was great. Like, yeah, you would clip pedals a bit more and yeah, but those corners, a though, more those corners, a Chris, it was still, yeah, it still felt like a hero on it. It was, yeah, yeah exactly. It was and kind of, it's almost, and it's not going to feel as much of a hero if it doesn't squat down like that. So you kind of like, yeah, kick the pedals a couple of times. Cause that's cause I'm rad. <laughs> you know, it's part Fair. of the hero routine. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's part of the shtick. Yeah, I think so. I don't really know why people go. Yeah, we've given you this advantage, and then we're kind of taking it away again. So again, that goes back to an adjustability point. Yeah, it's you know, is it useful adjustability, or are they just? I mean, there used to be bikes where you just like, it was just like you could tell the designer just done it. And go, now you can't tell me off now because you can just run it in a. It's like being a triathlete. I would have been a brilliant triathlete. There is a point here. There have been brilliant triathlete because there are four things involved. So you could catch me being mediocre at three things before you find out I was a really bad triathlete. You know, I could be mediocre at running, swimming, and even, you know, riding the bike. But, yeah. I, could, but I could just tell you I was shit off like getting in and out of a wetsuit. And it's kind of the same if you go, yeah, it's got seven different travel settings. Yeah. It's like, just make your mind up. Pin, pin, pin your tail on the donkey somewhere. Don't just hand it to me. Uh-huh. I've got a blindfold on. You know, that's the whole point of this game. You know, so there's different ways of approaching geometry and yeah. adjustability. And I think it's it's cleaned up its act, I would definitely say. Mm. Uh, but in other places, you know, the changes are actually so small that it doesn't make any difference. And in mullet, I would question whether you need to do it. There you go. Okay. That's my controversial statement, Fair. I guess. Just put a small wheel in and crack yeah, on. Yeah, just crack on. Yeah. But I really, you know, there's loads of 27 and a half inch wheels going cheap now. It's definitely a fun way to change the way your bike feels and have, yeah. have a different experience. Because if it, you don't want to... It will feel different. You're very. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it, you know. If people are thinking it's just hype, no, it, it will feel very, very different. Yeah. So yeah, give it a try. And you can very easily back-to-back it. It's a cassette swap and a disc swap. and a, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to be expensive Yeah, either. It's, it's a big change. Yeah. And it might be what makes you, re- again, it goes back to it might be what really makes you like your bike again. Yeah, it might reignite that fire because it definitely, I think I've said in the past, like riding a mullet, I feel like, like if I took myself out and watched myself on a mullet, I look like Cade or Chaos. And I clearly don't. But like that was the feeling that I had yeah. riding mullet, which I don't have on a full 29 because I'm a lot, you know, I'm a fair bit shorter. So again, I struggle to move around a bit more on on the bigger rear wheel. But yeah, it just, it made the bike more playful and it made me ride, feel like I was riding in a different way, more shroupy in inverted yeah. commas. Yeah. 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 More, more just, yeah. And again, going, kind of going back to status specializing and this, this status video was the one, was the fastest one I ever shot. Right. I think I pretty much shot it in one run, having just turned up with the bike raw, <laughs> just because there wasn't much to do on it. It yeah. was that was what it was. Set the sag, set the tire pressure, start off at the top of Stainburn, just like run all the way down to the road and then run all the way down to the bottom. It was just like, yeah, I've said everything. This is just an absolute bloody hoot. Yeah. It's just great. You know, I don't, I've been, 
that's what you need to know about this. It's way cheaper than you'd expect, and it's really, really bloody good fun because you're in the right place on the bike and the wheels are doing exactly what you want each wheel to do. Perfect. At any given moment, it's like, okay, right then, sick. And I literally just like took it off the memory card, just watched it through and went... I'll put the caption on. That'll do. Yeah, bingo. It was like, like 12, you know, 12 minutes. Boom. Crazy. Great. Let, let's move them from that bike, which is at the more affordable and straightforward end. Let's talk about some technology that's at the very high end, certainly at the moment. Um, RockShox Flight Attendant launched in the last year, which um, claims to be able to control your suspension for you and, you know, help you be in a more optimum setting um for more of the ride give us some thoughts on that because it's a really high-end piece of tech and we've seen a lot of people uh you know try things probably over a period of at least 15 years this sort of technologies people have been attempting it but oh yeah well k2 were doing the smart shock in the 90s yeah there you go and it was when it worked that was pretty good i mean yeah. they're not essentially rock shocks haven't added anything new it's not that different to ei mm-hmm uh, that Lapierre came out with. And interesting, yeah. they were involved in that, and that's kind of when they started developing flight attendants. So it's okay. been a decade. Yeah. But it's been a decade with the guy, the major guy they got to do a lot of the sampling and sort of transferring what they were seeing on the trail into nuances of the... I mean, yeah, sorry, to to explain, it's basically shifts you between three different settings on the fork and the shock. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily at both at the same time. It'll do either separately. And it's also the interesting thing, it's reference to the crank as well, which I think is a big okay. part of it. So it's gathering information for those three points, how much, you, whether you're pedaling or not, what input forces are coming in through the fork and what input forces are coming through the shock. And it's it's not, that's the thing, it's not actually changing the damping on them beyond just toggling between presets. Okay. And you have a bias dial on it so you can change how sensitive it is. Okay. You know, whether you want it softer more of the time or harder more of the time. Okay. And it's moving between open, closed, and some kind and of pedal, pedal. Pedal in the middle. Yeah, yeah. But it's not how you'd normally see that because the because it can do it automatically and it's doing it every you know micro millisecond. Yeah. The open can be a lot more open and the yeah. closed can be a lot more closed. And the damping underneath it is also set up like that. So it's like fully ported open when it's open. Yeah. And that's you know, and the suspension underneath it is amazing. That's the really clever thing they've done with it. Okay. You know, they've not just bolted it onto the standard suspension. There's a lot of suspension changes that we'll be seeing shortly from RockShox okay. that are in that system. But right. there's also things that are quite uh, flight attendant specific as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, a tiny motor needs to make those changes. So there are things that they're going to go even further with on the analog stuff. Yeah. But what I found was interesting was I, I read, because I've ridden, a, I rode it on a slash, track slash, top end track slash, and mm-hmm. I'd ridden that normally anyway and it's quite a clean and precise bike in its normal setup very very it's a very racy feeling bike yeah the pedals pretty damn well but what was interesting was how much harder i mean it was exhausting that's the biggest takeaway of flight attendant a it was unspeakably quick to the point of being almost frightening and frightening stroke dull because it made the speeds that should have been frightening so dull i mean I remember I hauled it out around Scarhouse Reservoir uh-huh. on a stinking night in the middle of winter and uh, was knackered. It's just, at the end of that, it's a 16 kilo bike. Yeah. So regardless of how well it pedals, there's still a lot of mass getting moved around. Yeah. And also what I found was because it did pedal so well, because it goes, right, I want to make you pedal efficient now. Yeah. 
you forgot it was a 16 kilo bike. So you would chase anything. <laughs> it just made you want to hustle everything, <laughs> which is brilliant because you're like charging on the flat, you're charging on rolling climbs, everything like that. You're just chewing on people's back tyres, even if you know they're like on a 13 kilo bike. I mean, that's what it did for me anyway. Okay. For normal people, it might just mean, oh, well, I'll just pedal up this fire a little more easily. Mm-hmm. But I just, it just made it feel like, from an emotional point of view, it did make it feel like a much lighter, much short travel trail bike. Okay. Just because I was af- after it like a daft dog <laughs> all the time. But then, you know, like I say, I lumped it all the way around the, the dale, middle of the night, wet, filthy conditions. And I think I actually, there's a really long descent off the top from mm. uh, right up, up top of Nidderdale down to Ramsgill. Yeah. And it's rocky. It's got water bars on it. And it's not crazy tech, but in the at night, in the wet, it's fast and it's a bit intimidating. And I was so knackered. I was just like, you know, I'm not going to get a PR. A, no, sorry. I'll just backtrack a little bit. There's a, there's a descent before it. Yeah. Which has water bars in it that are normally big enough to kick you up. Right. And so you drop the saddle and you kind of preload or you jump them or anything like that. I just didn't. I dr- got ready to do that. Went over the first one and just go, oh, put the saddle back up and just pedal all the way down it. Literally, just because. And again, you do that on a 170 bike anyway. Uh-huh. But the fact that it just felt so calm. It just felt really, really sorted. The suspension. It was so open at that point. Yeah, it was yeah. so open. It was just like, yeah, what? What water bars? Yeah, there, there's one. Did you see it? Because you didn't feel it. But then got to the top of the descent. I was like, I'm roasted. I'll just, I'll ride down to the top and open the gates for everybody else. Yeah. Open the gate for everybody else. Everyone's through. Jump back on. PR'd it. And I think it was top four. It's a top four time. Yeah. On the descent, it's got a lot of good riders down it. I was like, oh God. Wow. And I was, I was just like, why aren't I pedaling at this point? It's like, you're not pedaling because you're normally terrified. (laughs) I was just like, could pedal. Like, okay, could pedal. Wow. And it it really was that good. You know, yeah. shock. It was, I was very surprised how good it was. Because if you put a GoPro on it, it's not actually changing that much. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes, yeah, okay, I'm opening it at the top of the run. And uh, now I'll shut you down again. For in terms of downhill stuff. So, yes, the, I mean, the suspension on this is brilliant, particularly the shock work they've done. Yeah. Because that is what you'll be seeing on the next generation the forks are going to be even more advanced than what you're seeing on flight attendant. Uh-huh. So there's a real step change coming up in terms of the actual dampers and the structures and everything is right. changing on a lot of their forks and shocks. But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, to be honest, talking to Chris Hilton at SRAM about it, they're just like, well, the idea is it just levels everything out in the same way as Axis did. Yeah, You can't make shit choices anymore. <laughs> We're giving everyone the best experience. Wireless shifting means everyone shifts at the right time now. Mm-hmm. You know, because some people are good and have some mechanical sympathy and they shift at the right time. Others don't have a clue and just grind it out. Can't do that with Axis. Oh. You click the button, it goes, right, now's a good time to shift. Yeah. And in the same way with flight attendant, that's what it's doing. Where you, Wherever you set it. Because what's interesting, the tendency is you to try and feel the difference. You actually set it kind of more binary than you probably normally would the, on the bias you yeah, yeah on the bias setting so it pedals a bit firmer but then yeah. the open's more obvious because really it's no, doing nothing more than you could do diligently with a scott triple mode mm-hmm. shifter which is just you know a couple of levers on the cable yeah you can do that but then i'm someone who uses if i'm riding a spark or something like that i use that lever more than I use the shifters okay yeah because yeah. i really like having that psychosomatic help of yeah. Kicking up a climb. And again, it's the same with flight attendant. 
but it's 300 grams of weight and it's probably a grand or more in terms of money. Yeah, it's a lot. So it's a lot. But then if you never forget to turn your lockout off, which is, you know, probably the biggest advantage of it. That's why I never turn it on because I can guarantee yeah, exactly. I forget to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. did that on the Spectral. Like yeah. Spectral 125 I was talking about. Second run, I was like, oh, yeah. Back, I'm definitely, yeah, the four, maybe 140 mil isn't enough yeah. on the front. It's like, yeah, because I'd left the lockout on the back because <laughs> we're clawing up a bloody great hill. But it's like, A, it takes that away, but also the guy, did I, I don't think I actually said this point or not, the guy who did most of the software work behind it. Oh, you started this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started it. Yeah. Was actually one of the world's best guitar pedal techs. Yeah, I read that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, he was, because he, and again, it's emotional engineering. You know, it's not just, it's far more binary than people might think. There's yeah. a whole load of nuance and that's what's really clever about it is the way it kind of preempts, is the way it goes, this sequence of pedal, not pedal, front and rear suspension movement is probably best tackled by the suspension like this. That's mm. what it does brilliantly. It feels incredibly natural. Yeah. Certainly for a first iteration. Yeah. Because, you know, they've been developing for 10 years and at some point they just have to go, put it out. Well, press the button. Mm. And what it's doing now is a fraction of what it can do. You know, it's like, oh, the human brain is in it, 10% of its capacity. That's pretty much the same with flight attendant. You know, there's physically more space to do more sensing in there. Mm -hmm. But they could do far more in terms of, yes, it could make more subtle damping changes, but also the other things it can tell you. You know, it can even go, well, maybe maybe your fork doesn't feel so good. Maybe you should get it serviced. Or, yeah, that would be good. Or maybe like, oh, you seem to like riding this kind of descent a lot. Have you thought about riding here? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. we've noticed your wattage isn't quite what it used to be. Have you thought about trying this coaching plan? You know, me and Chris are laughing about this, but you could, get, you know, you yeah. could go a whole black mirror on it if you wanted it to. Yeah. You know, it could say, right, we've noticed your pedaling. We noticed you did this climb the other week. Or it seems like a similar gradient. Yeah. But you're using a lot more wattage. You know, is it the wind? Is it, or do you, does your chain need oiling? Yeah, okay. And if you're running that with an axis suite as well. Yeah then it'll know where you are in the gear range and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But then you've got seven gears, seven batteries to charge before you go out. Yeah, that's a that's an issue. I'd Again, when there's things to forget, I'll forget them. Yeah. And yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot to remember. Yeah. But in terms of how they've engineered it and what it can do in future, very, very interesting. But it'll be interesting to see how many people take that up. Yeah. Because up to now, nobody's... I mean, EI was a really good system, as yeah. long as you kept the connectors clean on the head unit. Uh-huh. EI, IE, whichever it was, the Lapierre, and yeah. I think High Bike had it as well. That's pretty sorted. Uh-huh. But, and again, it you know, had a pedal sensor as well, and I think that's where Flight Attendant really scores over Live Valve at the moment. Okay. Because Live Valve is determined to turn things off. Okay. It's a very racer system. It would rather everything was rigid, which feels wretched, uh-huh. unless you shave your legs and don't have a peak on. <laughs> Whereas flight attendant is always trying to give you the open open setting. Right. And again, if it if it screws up, it goes open, which yeah. I think is a very, very smart move. Definitely, yeah. But it's like, you know, you see, you, like, you see the, you know, you chat to the guys who've worked on it and it's just like, oh yeah, there is so much time just in, just in refining algorithms, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Just kind of trying to second guess riders 
you know, it's just ride, change this, ride, change this, right, you ride it, change this. You know, literally as a guy in the back, you know, guy who looks like he's flying a drone strike, you know, with a with a laptop in a suitcase, just riding and riding and riding and riding and riding. That's how they've got there. Yeah. So, but what's interesting is what extra you can do beyond that. Yeah. And and again, there's, you know, there's other similar technologies as well. There's Shockwiz, there's uh, Mondraker, Mind. Yeah. That's another one. Uh, and then there's some where you just go, really? Not sure. Like uh, I rode a Trek rail, which had a, which, you know, had what looked like a similar system. Mm. I think it's Airwiz, they call it, not okay. Shockwiz. And it just tells you whether your tyres are ro- at the right pressure. Oh, yeah, yeah, Or yeah. not, yeah, or whether your fork's the right pressure or not. And you're like going, it's not really a... So not- then, hang on a minute. We've I've already said in this conversation that most people aren't riding around with the tyres at the right pressure. So actually, maybe it is. Yeah, well, this is it, yeah. You're- and if it saves you breaking a 1,100 quid carbon rim, then... Actually, thank you. Thank you for putting a red light on this, flagging a red light. Yeah. So I was frankly flat out to remember seven batteries. <laughs> so I didn't forgot to check my tyre pressure or, you know, whether I had the lockout on or not. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. the battery thing freaks me out. The, the, a rider who shall remain nameless took their AXS battery off to remind themselves to charge it up and then left it in a car park in Scotland. And so I had to take the uh, AXS mech off their bike because the, the uh, battery was quite a few miles away. Yep. So it's 65 it has, quid as well. It has risk to it, doesn't it, this stuff? But it's it, there's some amazing progress being made in this, like, electricity side of things, right, where we're, we're seeing electronics come in and do some clever stuff for us. So And I think e-bikes have made it much more acceptable. Yeah. We're happy okay. slopping around with motors and wires and electricity in the filth now, mm-hmm. which we weren't previously. Yeah, well, it never worked before, did it? But the no. the, the latest stuff like the and Axis as well has helped. Yeah, because actually, you say what you want about it, about whether you need it and whether it's you know, but it's pretty bloody f- reliable. Yeah, I've heard people say the uh, the Axis rear mech is they believe is more robust than a normal rear mech. Yeah, well, it has to be. They have to overcompensate. Yeah, because it's bloody expensive, and it's kind of like when carbon bikes first started being made. They had to overbuild them because everybody was hoping they'd break, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so they could go, ah, I told you you shouldn't have got a carbon bike. <laughs> I mean, I'm still nervous when I'm riding wireless. If I'm riding wireless and Ilkley or somewhere like that, I'm like, oh, that rock's a bit close. As if I've just got an old GX or an NX on, I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Where, even though I'm probably more likely to damage it because it hasn't got the dislocation feature in it and stuff like that, I probably am more likely to wipe it out. Yeah. But. And we're going to see other changes as well that make that accuracy more possible. Uh-huh. And the way bikes are manufactured now, they are far more accurate. I mean, some of them aren't. There's some people who are just like throwing bikes in out of tolerance and that's when you see shocks exploding and things like that. Yeah. You know, you go on pink bike, you can see and work out who those are. Mm-hmm. But because bikes are a lot tighter now and because just even things like SRAM's universal derailleur hanger, you know, that's a much more fixed platform. And, you know, we may see other things. Yeah. In a similar vein to that, let's just hint at. Interesting. You know, that, again, allow you to... Because electronics, the thing with electronics is it's not that variable in some ways. It needs a fair constant on it. Mm. But, so, you know, certain fixed points of the bike need to be correct on it. But also, yeah, I mean, again, it just goes back to, you know, is adjustability a good thing on a bike? Options are theoretically always a good thing. It's just how open you are to them and whether or not they're options you want. Yeah. And you don't have to buy flight attendant. But if 
10 years down the line, we've all got a bike that works off one battery and we don't have to worry about setting up sag. And it also tells us if our tire went flat before we went for a ride. I don't think anyone's going to grumble too much. No. And it costs 50 quid more. Yeah, it's fine. In the same way that, you know, I used to have a mobile phone with a battery on it when I worked for the Forestry Commission on a lead. (laughs) You know, that's all changed, hasn't it? And then you go back now and go, oh, predictive text. How did we start texting when it was predictive text? And we'll go, you know, when you ride a bike with more than one chainring now and go, oh my Lord, what's that weird grindy noise? Or, (laughs) oh, this is so needy. You know, evolution's always good. It is, for sure. Any other trends that we're seeing that you think will catch on? There seems to be a lot, far too much for my liking, of cables going through stems and headsets. What, sawing through the steerers? Yeah. Yeah, that's not a great one. I'm not convinced by that, but it seems to be proliferating. Yeah, because it looks neat. Mm. And because people probably still put it in the plus column going pros (laughs) rather than cons. Yeah. but And it is pretty. To a certain extent. Yeah. And there's, again, there's different ways of managing it and some people work out smart way and then maybe it'll go open source and yay. We're like, what was the problem? Yeah, true. Yeah, you know, in the same way that internal stone. cable routing did. Yeah. You know, people now people put pipes through. Yeah. And, and it's, a a actually, it's actually easier than horrible zip ties clattering outside your frame. Yeah. Whereas, you know, there are still some people where you're like, oh Lord, there's a cable in there somewhere. And it turns into like a 70s disaster movie with Charlton <laughs> Heston trying to get out the far end. But generally, you know, internal cable reading, generally a good thing. Even stuff like, I remember when the first continuous cable reading came in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what if you get a bit of grit in it? It's like, well, actually, there's only two places it can get in, so maybe it's better. Oh, oh, yeah. What if it's heavier? It's like, yeah, mm. in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, there's always, there will always be resistance. And, yeah, if you want to ride a rigid single speed, crack on. Yeah. There's crack a place on. for that. Yeah. If, yeah, there's more of a place for it now because the top-end bike is fully electric, Costs thirteen thousand pounds, and you know does everything for you. So going fully analog, going paleo when you ride it might be might be quite a nice change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what trends do I want to see? I want to see people realise that XC bikes are much better than gravel bikes. Okay, because they are. Uh-huh. It's quite simple. It's not hard. You don't have to ride <laughs> one far to go. Oh, weird! This bike that's evolved for ooh, forty years to be just quite good at going along fields and stuff. If you take all the kind of jacked up people in skin suits covered in sponsorship logos out of it, then sorry, it's a terrible disservice to it, but that's generally the image XC is still sold under a lot uh-huh. of time. And just go, no, it's just a really good bike for going out for a big long ride in the countryside on. Yeah, okay. Then it's much better than a gravel bike. Maybe gravel bikes are just a bridge to bring roadies into mountain biking. Yeah, in which case, that's that's why I love them. Yeah. You know, they are that time travel thing mm-hmm. that makes you realise that there is this whole different thing between roads where people don't run you over as much you can stop and literally smell the flowers yeah without getting run over or without being smell the flowers because the exhaust fumes <laughs> and that's where they're a great gateway drug yeah and they're being sold in a much more in, again inclusive attractive way to mm. most people yep you know very few millennials i think going to be turned on to the idea of going for a cross-country ride by pictures of philip Mearhug crossing a finish line yep fair comment but if it's all flannels and dangle mugs and, you know, seaweed sushi on the beach, then cracking. Happy days. Does it matter if the bar's flat or the bar's curly? No. No. But, you know, yeah, again, true. we're seeing more yeah. 29er bikes. We're seeing more bigger tyre space. And we're seeing all these 90s suspension innovations coming back in and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. no, I think XC's due. And also, XC Racing 
I think people are starting to switch on to just how rad that's getting it down. Is, it is actually really good, I have to admit. It's I, amazing. I left it behind for many years, but have rediscovered it in the last few, and I've really enjoyed some of the races I've watched. Did you see Sherpa pinning it, the last one? I haven't watched the last one yet. I don't want to get, I, I won't do a spoiler then, but oh my Lord, that is a man loving riding his bike and making other people wish he wasn't riding his bike so much. <laughs> you know, that's nice. great to see. Yeah. And again, but then again, you, you know, you go back and again, the women's scene field seem to arguably be enjoying it even more. And when they finish, like, yeah, you did so well. Yeah. There's a hilarious comment on the women's one. It's just like, uh, uh, Pauline and Provo, uh, I am going to spoil this one. Well, the, the, the woman who run was like, it's the, she's won two in a row now. And it's yeah. like a bit of a surprise. She's been racing for years. Yeah. And Pauline, she was like riding along and did, did there was like interviewing her. And Pauline came up and go, where's you got his legs? Where's the sprinter legs that come from? And it's just like, <laughs> they were just genuinely like, this is cool. You yeah, did really yeah. well. Well done, hon. Yeah. Whereas the nice. man is still like, mm, yeah, well done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, handshake, fist bump, because we have to, but. It's your it's your picture that's pinned over the turbo trainer tomorrow. It's more angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah but no, XC's great. Yeah, all biking's great. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I haven't ridden a modern XC bike, and I'd like to. I'd like to see how they've changed. It's I can imagine it's quite a lot. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah what you can do now limits the tires really. Uh huh. You know, you do you you because you get so used to a kilo of tire and what that will cope with. Yeah you forget that actually you do need to sometimes take care through a rock garden. Uh-huh. If you're on a 700 gram tire, that's the same size as a kilo tire. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah, yeah, that's why. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, the suspension in terms of, and let, well, unless you're going off stuff, you know, a couple of meters high and stuff like that. And, but still, you know, what you can ride hard down on now on a 120 mil travel down country or cross country bike yeah. with a hundred mil dropper on it. I mean, it's flat out. Flat out. I mean, Scherter won the first race of the season because he could run a slightly larger chain ring. Uh-huh. He was running a 38, not a 36. That's why right. I beat Marat. Yeah. Just because the descent, he just had a slightly higher gear on. So that's the speed those guys are going. A 38, 10, that's a road bike gear. Yeah. And they're just, and have you watched the Cape Epic? No. Oh, that's worth, that's worth, that was a real eye opener. I kind of started watching it because uh, my tech head on Bike Perfect is South African and he was like, oh, you must watch it, you must watch it. Like, yeah, go on, mate. I thought it was just going to be like time trials across the desert. <gasps> Amazing. It just, really? like, I just want to go ride South Africa now. It just looks incredible. You know, there's the trail network and they are pinning it. There's guys on unrestricted e-bikes just like trying desperately to keep <laughs> up with it. And it's just the weirdest thing because they're like, oh, yeah, well, he's let a gap form out of that corner. It's just like, it's kilometre 10. They're going 90 kilometres. Don't be ridiculous. Like, oh, that was a significant gap then. Just no like way. that on it. For where, like, where'd you watch it? Uh, YouTube. All oh, right, okay. Really good coverage as well. Yeah, yeah. They've like got X races on it. They've got really good drone pilots and stuff like oh, that. Cool. So they're like way, 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 way out in the Transvaal yeah. and just like on a wine estate somewhere. Yeah. And you're literally riding with the riders and it's it's cool. really good soap opera. Yeah. If you've got nothing better to do and you've listened to all the downtime podcasts, <laughs> just go and have a look at some of that on the background because it looks beautiful as okay, well. nice. But it's properly rowdy techie stuff as yeah. well. It's like... They're doing some chonky old descents flat out yeah. as well. Interesting. Like hour after hour after hour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, check and it it's out. just like, you know, that's what, they're, they're trail bikes now. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's one thing I would say about the industry. It maybe needs to like reset what it's calling different things. Yeah, okay. 
because it means so much. I mean, an enduro bike now is just, well, is what a trail bike is. A trail bike now is what an enduro bike used to be. An enduro bike is basically a triple ring down, well, what would have been a triple ring downhill bike yeah, back in the day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, what's the Strive? 63 degree head? Yeah. You know, it feels like it feels like a good downhill yeah, bike. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's some overlap now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a downcountry bike, whatever, is 2.4 inch, 29 er tires, 120 mil of travel, 66, 67 degree head angle, 65 yeah. on some of them. Yeah. For battering out big days. Yeah. And that's what I choose. If I was going to ride through the peak, that's what I choose. Yeah. I wouldn't enough. use a trail bike. But then is that my just my old preconceptions? And people have come to sport recently going, no, for riding trail, I mean going to bike park Wales. Something like that. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? It doesn't really matter. As long as you're at the end fun. of the day, as long as it, yeah, it's given me something to talk about and whinge about. It's, it's good. always good, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. You know, end of the day, it's, it's taking someone out, you know, yeah, go riding with some mates and having a hug at the end for a gate because they've had a rip in time or your mates brought pizza. Sounds so, good to me. Yeah. So what's out there that you've not had a chance to swing a leg over that you'd like to? Like what what's intriguing you from a product perspective at the moment? I still haven't risen a transition spur, which okay. annoys me. They've just yeah, been yeah. you can't get them. They've been so popular. Because yeah. that's kind of the benchmark bike for the category that I'm kind of most involved in, which is down down country or yeah. just fast riding across moors. Mm-hmm. Uh I'd like to ride a uh, – God, I'm having a load of brain farts today. <laughs> uh, bold. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Interested in riding a bold. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to ride the new uh, Hope bike. Mm-hmm. Just because I've, I've seen it for a long, old time. Yeah. Uh, I saw a very interesting bike uh, when I was down at Carbon Wasp, which is a Rotec, which is a law wheel back end, yeah. a Mert law wheel parallel back end with a high pivot. Ah. which is very funny because I've just recently wrote something for downtime EP2. Yes. Where I actually said, I just used something like a phrase like, are you a high pivot evangelist or are you waiting for the second coming of the Lawville parallelogram? Yes. And literally went to Carbon Wasp the next day. I was like, it's on the wall. <laughs> they were like, yeah, it's this in Rotec in America now. And yeah, we built that for them. Unreal. Yeah. I was like, I bet that's good. Yeah, interesting. I bet that's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I'd have been lucky, you know, a year ago, there'd have been loads of bikes I'd have wanted to ride. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really keen to ride. But because supply is a lot better now, you know, I've got, I've caught up nicely on a lot okay. of stuff. Good. Uh, but yeah, I just, it's more, I'd like to have the two bikes together in the same room a lot of the time just okay. to get that proper head-to-head comparison you know, going back to what you're saying about the yeah, carbon yeah. and ally stuff that's really interesting it's what interests people a lot as well yeah like the fuel ex top fuel is one i've just done yeah and it's completely opposite right around what people would expect you know i'd arguably say their shortest travel sid equipped bike is the one you want if you're really really into rowdy rally riding around your local woods because it's just dirty it's <laughs> the best way i can describe it it just it just wants to get you it just wants to get stuck in and have a laugh. Yeah. Whereas the Fuelie extra longer travel, uh, which sounds like there's more the aggro bike. Yeah. Actually feels a lot more clean. I can't, for want of a better way of explaining it, it feels like an older German bike. Okay. You know, it feels like it's very good and fast for smashing out miles. Yeah. But it's not as kind of forgiving and skanky. Yeah. As the top fuel is. And again, the slash, like I said, is very quite, quite a clerical sort of clinical bike. Yeah, like precise. Very precise, yeah. very we will make you go fast. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's got a lab coat on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's quite funny saying that 
about that, you know, just because that one literally gets you close to the ground. And it's, yeah. So that's, you know, it's stuff to explore like that. And there's loads of comparisons that I'd like to, you know, try an ISO against a Spectral 125 or something like that. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would yeah. be an interesting one. I'm hoping I can engineer that one. Uh, what else do I want to try? I do want to try Live Valve. Actually, I've not tried the latest Live Valve. I was going to say as an update. I need to. Yeah. I need to from that point of view. Uh, just to, you know, because I'm mouthing off about flight attendant and I've not ridden Live Valve for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of bikes coming up I think I'd really really like to ride uh-huh. and there's some bikes I've ridden that I don't even know when they're going to be launched now that surprised me Okay, they were fun to ride Yeah, uh, and there's some I've seen on drawing boards that'll be really interesting to ride that'll Excellent. be out in summer and you know I'd like to I'm interested to ride the new Pace new mm-hmm. bike so yeah. that's been rumbling around in the background for a long time and I really respect what Adrian does with bikes he's always yeah. got something interesting to do yeah for sure and, you know, I know there are other brands, the whole load lined up. It'd be interesting to see how, you know, what they've done. Because, again, it's an interesting time. You know, do you stick or twist, basically? Do you just put a glove box on it? Or do you, you know, and change the way the internal cable ring goes into the frame? Or do you do something dramatically different? Yeah. Oh, I'd like to ride the orange, definitely. Okay. The orange with the new shot with linkage. The linkage. Yeah. yeah. That's intriguing. That's an interesting one. They've yeah. tried it before. It's not new for them. but. Yeah. Be interested to see how much that actually works and whether it's still essentially an orange, whether it does something dramatically different to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot out there. It's cool. Oh yeah, there's always stuff. It's still and insane I've progression. I've forgotten a load of things. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else? I'd like to ride a Blur Trail as well. Mm, so would I. Really like that because I love the XC one. Yeah. So I'll be interested to know whether that dilutes it a little bit too much because mm-hmm. I kind of like the way the track, the Blur, was really on the edge. And again, very different bike to the Scott Spark. Yeah. Because the Scott Spark feels quite considered, quite controlled, very efficient, uh-huh. very, very good at what it does. But it's the blur's a lot giddier, for want of a better word. Yeah, yeah. And you get to the speed in slightly different ways, but both blisteringly quick. Interesting. So. Cool. Well, there's, yeah, yeah, lots. We're in a good place. A there's a lot we of are, cool stuff kicking around. We've got more possibilities now yeah. in prospect. Every aspect of mountain biking, yeah, things we can do, people we can ride with, people, we how we can communicate with people, how easily we can all get together and all talk to different people and yeah. expand our experience of mountain biking and help others expand their experience of mountain biking on a wider range of bikes than we've ever had available. I mean, yeah. like right through from gravel through to, you know, crazy electrically powered, electrically damped, downhill bikes essentially yeah. yeah yeah you know we've got so much to play with we have we're you know, very it's a lucky big old toys r us right now <laughs> good stuff well, i think that's a good place for us to sign off it's been really nice catching up there's some absolute gold as always that's i think i'm sorry I, i'll apologize i think it's gone all over the place that's good yeah we've i mean like i'm saying to you I've had, I've had a busy week i think <laughs> i was ten thousand words of the good in the first three days of the week which means i'm almost caught up with at least one of my jobs, right? Perfect. Still got some other stuff to do this afternoon, but yeah, you possibly caught the tail end of that. It's all good. It's been a bit of a random one, but I yeah, like great. Always, always a pleasure to nice empty my head into a microphone with you, Chris. Perfect. And thanks, man. Thanks very much for at least trying to keep it out of the trees. It's been good. And get, get it around some of the berms. Nah, we're <laughs> a recognisable shape. I think we hit some pretty good lines. We'll be all right. Cool. Nice one. Cheers, guy. Thanks very much indeed, Chris. See ya. Cheers.
All right, that's it for this episode with Guy. I hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Cushcore. Improve the performance of your bike so that you can go bigger, corner harder and ride faster by fitting Cushcore to your ride. These aren't just an insert to reduce your risk of punctures and rim damage. They really do improve the ride. They're available in Pro, XC+, Gravel and Cyclocross. Come with multiple valve colour options and Cushcore has some great tools to make installing them a breeze with a bead dropper tyre lever and the brand new bead bro. Head to Cushcore.com now to check them out. Don't forget to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash survey two and take a couple of minutes to answer the questions there and put yourself in with a shout of winning an awesome Cushcore bundle so that you too can experience the performance gains for yourself. Also, a massive thanks to Canyon for supporting this episode. If you're in the market for an enduro race bike or just a very fast and capable bike over the rowdiest of terrain, then their new Strive is for you. As with everything right now, stock is limited, but it's kept up to date on the Canyon website. And if your choice isn't available right now, then you can sign up to stock update emails for that particular model and size by navigating to it over at canyon.com and clicking notify me. All right, here's a few other links that might be useful. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of the first issue of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. We'll have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 